So I'll tell you my first day, my first day in the car business. I Here come it comes, in, guys. Yeah. First day <laughs> first in the car day business. In the car business. <laughs> Welcome to the Matador Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy with Jason. We are here live in Las Vegas, beautiful Las Vegas, with the one, the only, the oh-so-famous... Famous, right? Yeah. I, infamous or famous? Oh, it's famous. <laughs> that infamous Sarah. is a little nefarious. <laughs> and I'm gonna get Sarah Van Tyne. That's right. By the way, that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> so if you guys are seeing it on the screen right now, that's how you pronounce it. Sarah, thanks for taking the time to come jam with me, by the way. It's so great to be here, Jason. <laughs> Loving it. Hey, uh, Sarah, I love kicking off these podcasts with a little origin story. A, because I'm always fascinated, uh, because I don't think anybody just wakes up one day and goes, oh, I'm going to be in the automotive industry, because that sounds like so much fun. Um, so I'm curious, how did you get into this little world we call the automotive industry? You know, it's a funny story. <laughs> so I actually have two bachelor's degrees, and one is in studio art, the other is in art history which was borderline on the side of archaeology. So okay. totally non uh, car nowhere business, even nowhere close even to. close. <laughs> well, I mean, we have been called fossils. So maybe, <laughs> there, maybe there is a correlation. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get comments for that. Um. <laughs> but, well, and it was funny. So I, in, in 2008, right, everything changed. And I mm -hmm. was in school looking to get into museum curation doing some Indiana Jones type stuff. That was really what I was setting out to do in my That's career so cool. path. And ultimately what happened, you know, 2008 hit and things had to change. So I was going to the Career Center and talking to them and they're like, yeah, you know, you need to get a PhD to get an unpaid internship. Unpaid? Unpaid, okay. yes. And so really I had to do some reflection and I'm like, okay, I have two bachelor's degrees and I really can't do anything with them right now. So didn't want to go into massive debt. So I'm like, you know what? I think I would be good at sales. Yeah. I think they, I don't know where that came from. No clue, never been in sales before in my life. But I literally picked up a pile of resumes, uh, went through in my car and was just driving in Charleston, South Carolina and went by some car dealerships. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, sure, we're yeah. gonna do this. Saw a we're hiring <laughs> sign and said, you know what? All right, let's, let's give it a whirl. So I walked in, no interview appointment, no nothing. Went to the receptionist and said, I saw your, your ad. And she goes, for what? <laughs> and I'm like, to, uh, you know, to work here. And she kind of looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> she and, had no idea. And well, and so I, I walked in, got an interview that day. I mean, had, a, had my resume, the, the sales manager took one look at my resume. He flipped it one way, flipped it over to the other side, put it down and his verbatim words to me were, why the hell would I hire you? <laughs> And for some reason, my snarky answer was uh, because I'm going to take my resume. The Chevy store is hiring next door. And if you don't hire me here, I'm going to go there and I'm going to sell circles around you. No way. That That's awesome. Verbatim. I, I probably would have hired you if you gave me that answer, to be honest with you. I probably would have. I would have said, yeah, all right, you start Tuesday. That, that was what happened. And so he goes, okay, let's see. That's, That's awesome. how I got in the business. Awesome. <laughs> well, we're glad you got into the business. And, you know, um, yeah, I, what I wanted to talk about today uh, was around employee retention. So kind of what you were you know, saying, like you walked into the dealership and the reception was kind of like, what job? What are you talking about? Like, I'm just to put myself like, 
if I was in market for a career and I walked in because I saw this ad and maybe it was really well written or maybe I knew somebody and they're like, hey, you should come do this. And my first impression of the receptionist going, looking at you going, huh? What are you talking about? That's not great. But, but let, let's talk a little bit about that because I think employee retention really starts with the very first impression. And, and how do you think that we can structure a good, proper first impression? So really, I mean, it's important to have the mission of the company being around retention and culture. Mm, I like that. And it just comes down to having everybody understand that even your customers could potentially be your future employees. Yes. There's so many opportunities for people to have a, an amazing career in automotive, and oftentimes people that get into this industry don't even realize it's an opportunity and what 100%. kind of livelihood and, and life-changing things this, this industry can do for us. So. It all starts with that entire culture, the mentality of you know, every single person that's in this organization, doesn't matter if they're a lot porter, doesn't matter if they're the GSM, whoever they are, they're important. And yes. they are equally important to the culture, our customer experience, everything that's happening in, in the organization. And so when you walk in the door, you can feel the culture and you yes. can feel that perception of, okay, like what, what is really the, the goal of this dealership long-term? And, and take that even further with that story. So I'll tell you my first day, my first day <laughs> in the car business. I Here come it comes, in, guys. Yeah. First day <laughs> first in the car day business. in the car business. <laughs> they had hired 14 salespeople. Oh, 14. Geez. And so I come in and I am all excited, fresh out of college, mm -hmm. super pumped, like first like real, real job, right? And the sales manager comes in, the GM comes in, we're all in the sales room, you know, we're all sitting in there together. And his first thing that the sales manager said to us is, hey, uh, just a heads up, all y'all in here, I'm only gonna keep like one or two of you. Oh my gosh. And it was like Talk about the most... really setting the stage, right? <laughs> yes. That was Straight my first up. day. First day was Hunger Games <laughs> in the car dealership. And it was really bizarre. So when, after that session, that meeting, it, it escalated. So they said, okay, so we're not even going to teach you how to sell a car or how to what? do your job. We are going to see if you have what it takes. Have what it takes. And do, you, do you have the goods? Yes. I like that movie, by the way. And it was, oh my gosh. <laughs> and so I'm, you know, anxiety level through the roof oh, as geez. a new person in there. And then, you know, the culture too, there was salespeople that were coming up to me and saying, okay, we're, we put a pool together because we do this every like 90 days and uh, we've got a bet you're going to make it like two weeks so don't blow my, my Your odds are like 36 to 1. <laughs> yeah, it was like, seriously, is this horse racing? Like, what is this? And But that was the first culture and so I'm, I'm a little tenacious and a little feisty. Well, you suck it through. I did. But and I, I'm going to say <laughs> most people wouldn't. Yes. Let's just say that most people wouldn't and I, I think you have to craft out, you know, this this first impression, and you have to be actual intentional about it. First, yes. first impressions don't just happen because they happen. Well, that's not true. I guess they do, and that's probably a bad thing. But you know, if we're really, really caring about these employees, I mean, you know, this money we put into just the just the sheer investment of it training, is. coaching, and developing these people, and then our first impression is going to be, you may or may not make it. I have odds against you, 36 to one. 
and, game on. <laughs> and that's the thing, right? So I stayed with this organization for a year and a half. Now, in that time, I was fortunate I, I made it. But again, like yes. you said, you know, there's 14 people. So you're talking 13 people didn't make the cut. Didn't make the cut. So let's reverse engineer this. So that is definitely not the impression we want to make. No. All right. My next question then for you is what should the impression be? What should that, that first day look like ideally? <laughs> no, so ideally, I mean, you have to have an onboarding strategy and it has to yes. be something that your entire team is on the same page to deliver. So it can't be fragmented where the new person shows up and they're coming into this environment and it's like, where do I go? Where's my desk? Oh, I don't know. We'll just stick you in this There's one. No computer. No, no computer. No nothing phone. set up. You don't have it. No one knows who the heck you are. Yes. That, that entire piece has to be thoughtfully crafted because people will, you know, as they're growing in their career, you know, they come into an environment like that and they realize, wow, these, this, this company is not serious about keeping me. They might tough it out for a while, but after that first impression, they might be starting to look for more opportunities, well, or other opportunities. I think the key word you use is career. Yes. See, I, I, I think a lot of people come in and, and maybe got some variation of the Hunger Games that you got, all right, and they're like, okay, this is just a job, just for the summer, all right, I'm just gonna do this, and I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna bounce, right? But, but no, you can make an amazing career in this industry, but that is not typically the language that we use yes. starting day one. And no, I, absolutely. Don't you think so? Absolutely, and, and it's really interesting. So. You know, from the reason a lot of a lot of times we get the question of, you know, why should I care as yeah. a dealership? Like, why should I care? Like, and let's be real. In the last couple of years, times have been pretty good for most dealerships. So as we're looking at the, the data about retention, and as we're talking about the numbers with it, what's really fascinating is a dealership average size. Let's just let's put it at 70 employees, yep. average size, uh, 70 employee dealership. If they aren't if they don't have a culture that's getting people to th at least three years of retention, mm -hmm. they are missing out on $560,000 in gross profit. Wow. I love and the fact we can put a number against that. Yes. But that totally makes sense. We have real data against that number to show just when you go through that churn, not only do you lose the, the confidence in your customer, and think about this from a customer's yes. perspective. You're coming into the service drive. You're coming in to buy a car and there's a revolving door of people, mm -hmm. you start to feel less confident about doing business in this organization because it's like, well, what the heck is going on behind the scenes if I keep seeing all these new faces every time I come in for an oil change or every time I come in for service? For sure. If I need to go buy another car, my salesperson's gone, who do I start that relationship over with? Well, it's the why, right? Yes. It's it's why should I stay with you for a year, right? Like, I'm just saying a year because, you know, I think of the automotive industry, we think of like service retention, all right? We measure service retention at the one-year mark, yes. at the three-year mark, and then the five-plus mark, all right? That's, that's pretty common for a lot of strategies out there, right? We don't do that with our employees, all right? Mm -hmm. We don't say, okay, here's our one-year strategy to make sure that they're here for the full year. But then after a year, we got to celebrate the shit out of that because that's actually a pretty big deal. And then, but then it's, how do I get them to three years? Yes. You know, we, we, we do that with our customers, but we don't do that with those with our employees. So this is kind of my question then for you. What do you think are some of the, I guess, the, the key moments or things that need to be implemented to keep them for the one-year mark and then also going on all the way to the three- and five-year mark? Yes, so it totally is individual, right? I mean, some people yes. are motivated by very different things, but it's important to have that awareness and have that data. You have to make decisions with data, but data is powerful, but it can't be the only thing that you utilize. Mm -hmm. So 
we get in this bind where we look at information and we go, okay, I see information about why my employees may be considering other opportunities, but you know, I don't know that I buy it, so I'm not going to do anything about it. Okay, well, that's not going to be a good culture long term. That's going to no. create problems. So you have to be progressive in the sense that you have to make sure that the strategies that you're deploying for your organization, when you're looking at hiring somebody, mm -hmm. you have to think about them from the the objective that how do I grow this person into being something else in my organization? Or if I'm keeping them long term, what does that do for me in terms of my customers and, and the retention I'm going to have and all these other facets? Yes. So this is an investment. So a lot of times, you know, one of the pitfalls that happens is, you know, onboarding we talked about being an area of opportunity, but it's also that perception of growth. So money isn't everything. There's data no. too that shows that somebody has to feel like not only they're valued in the organization, but they also have to feel like they're continuing to develop. There's a path. Yes. There's a path for them, right? I mean, there, a lot of people get into this business, they're in and out of it in less than a year. And I find for a lot of the people I talk to that get out of the business is because I'm not going to, I don't want to sell cars for the rest of my life. Right. Because they didn't see any other path because it was never identified or laid out for them. And every path, to your point, everyone's path is going to be different. Yes. And it's really interesting too. So in my session uh, that I'm covering tomorrow for People First BDC, what's really fascinating is you look at the breakdown of different employees in the dealership. Uh -huh. So we think about BDC and I hear the complaint a lot of times from dealerships is that uh, BDC is a revolving door. Yes. But what's really interesting is when you look at the data about BDC, BDC typically only wants to defect from that role 11% compared to Makes other sense. positions are like 48, 49%. So BDC is actually one of the positions in our organizations that you have employees that are coming in and they want to stay. <laughs> That's their baseline. They want to be part of something. They want that growth and yet they're leaving. So that's something that we have to look at as a dealer and go, okay, wait a minute. If this position, these are loyal people. These people want to be part of this organization. They want that growth trajectory. How can I take my BDC person and craft them into something else? Like if they're if I want to have them grow in BDC, cool. Let's set a trajectory of how you grow in BDC. Yep. If it's, okay, is this a person that's taking and making service appointments? Is that my future service advisor? Is that my future service manager? Is that my future finance manager? There's so many avenues that oftentimes one of the blind spots when I'm talking to employees at dealerships is they just don't have the awareness of, well, where's the org chart? Well, how because, do I because grow? Because nobody talks to them about it, right? I was very fortunate in my career to have a, uh, a general manager that actually did do this for me. Um, I think he did it maybe out of a joke in the beginning, because like, yeah, you're never gonna do this, it's okay, right? Um, it was three months into it, and general manager had a lunch with every new employee, right? Oh, that's cool, I think that's a pretty good idea. And so I sit down at the lunch, he goes, so, so what do you think of the business? And I'm talking to him, he goes, well, what do you wanna do? And I said, well, I wanna be your boss. <laughs> he looked that's at me, strong. he goes, <laughs> You know, I've been doing this for a while and you're the only person who's ever said, you want to be my boss. I said, yeah, I want to own this place. So he goes, well, here's what you got to do to be an owner. And he mapped out the thing for me. He goes, you need to work at each one of these departments. All right, you need to understand sales. You need to understand accounting. You need to understand service. You need to understand retention, all right? You need, you need to know all, you need to know parts. Yes. Like you need to know all of this, right? So within, about 18 months of being in the car in the car business, I was doing quite well, six figures a year. I left to go be a $45,000 a year service advisor. Wow. And my GM said, what 
are you doing? And I said, well, I'm doing exactly what you told me to do. I want to do this, so I need to go do this. And I did. I spent time there. They eventually made it. They made me a service manager pretty quickly because the service managers quit one day. <laughs> hey, you can do that. I'm like, yeah, sure, I can do that. Then I went to BDC. I became the director of BDC. And then I just, I bounced around. I even spent time in accounting, right? But I, but somebody mapped it out for me. I don't know if he did it, like, intentionally or it was just kind of like, well, here, let me tell you. I think it was more of like, let me tell you everything you have to do to kind of like say it's not going to be something you should do. But no, I took it. I owned it. But it is so insanely important to map that out for somebody. Yes. And, and you know, I like to use the analogy, too. So I, I'm an equestrian. I love horseback <laughs> riding. And you have to think about your people. Not every person is going to be a thoroughbred racehorse. Some people are motivated by that fast intensity, that high performance, like, got to be the best, got to be the best. Let's go. Let's go. But you need a good mix. Yes. You need a good mix. But some people are not that way. And they might be somebody that's, you know... I want to be able to have that work-life balance. I want to be able to come in the organization, make a difference with my customers and with the people at the store and be a positive influence. But then at the end of the day, I want to go home and hug my kids and, you know, hang out. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to have a blend in your culture and you have to accept both of those cultures too. Yes, 100%. 100%. 100%. Well, look, I know we're getting towards the tail end of our time, Sarah, uh, but for everybody out there watching and listening right now who may be thinking about getting into the business, what is one piece of advice you'd like to share with them? My piece of advice is never stop growing. Never, Ooh, ever like stop that. growing. So, you know, that has been the, the thing I think that has made me so successful in this business has just always been that thirst for knowledge and the thirst of wanting to know more. And so I think the people that really take the time to see everything, I mean, there's a lot of amazing businesses that are on the vendor partner side, also dealerships, they're doing amazing things Mm -hmm. for their customers and being really progressive with how they go through selling and servicing vehicles. It's just continue to seek out the people that are doing the things right and just keep trying to raise the bar for yourself. And that's that's really where you're gonna be successful. Just constant growth, right? It's a marathon. It's not a race, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Find your rhythm and just keep moving forward. Hey, for everybody out there um, who would like to connect with you, what's the best way to do so, Sarah? So please send me an email. You can reach me at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at quantum5.ai, and, uh, or connect with me on LinkedIn. Sarah, thanks so much for taking the time to jam with me. This has been a lot of fun. It's been awesome, Jason. Thank you. Thanks.